Welcome to Let's Talk Seniors. Thanks to Anglican Care. In today's episode, Michelle and I talk about the importance of sleep with our very special guest, Dr. John Ward. Dr. Ward is a prominent geriatrician in the Hunter region and is known for his genuine commitment to the health and well-being of seniors and their carers. He is passionate about educating people on preventative health and how they can incorporate different strategies into their lifestyle to keep themselves independent. He's also one of our favourite guests, having done quite a few podcasts with us this year. And I have to say, this is one of my favourite topics, John, because I love sleep so much. Me too. (laughs) Welcome, John, and thanks for joining us today. Let's start with the basics. Can you tell us what are the stages of sleep and how do they differ? We normally stage sleep in four stages, three of which are what's called non-REM sleep. Now, REM means rapid eye movement, and there's one stage of REM sleep. So when you go to bed, you go first through stage one of non-REM sleep, which is just that transition between wakefulness and going to sleep. And you might be sort of half aware of it and come out of it even without going further into sleep. And that usually lasts just about five or ten minutes. And then you go into stage two REM sleep, which is light sleep. And that can last for about 20, 30 minutes. And you'll have quite a few hours of that type of sleep a night, some probably four or five hours of that stage two REM sleep or light sleep. That's where you spend most of your time. And then you might go into the stage three of REM sleep, which is deep sleep, and spend 20, 30 minutes. And, and you usually have about one to two hours of deep sleep a night. And that's normally thought to be the most restorative type of sleep. Although I think there's still some confusion about exactly what sleep does but we certainly know it's important to Mm, definitely makes you feel good John (laughs) we were just discussing that before we started taping weren't we and the fourth stage is the REM sleep the rapid eye movement sleep which is your dreaming sleep and again you have about one to two hours of dreaming sleep a night and whether you remember the dreams depends on whether you come out of REM sleep into wakefulness or whether you come out of REM sleep and go into another form of non-REM sleep. And if you go into another form of non-REM sleep, you'll tend not to remember what your dream was. But if you tend to come uh, out of it into some form of wakefulness or very light sleep, you'll tend to remember it. And that's one of the changes that occurs with age, that people tend to have less deep sleep, so they tend to remember their dreams more. So if people are wondering why they feel they're dreaming more and they're remembering it, it's because they're having less deep sleep. Okay, so that was my next question, John. As we age, are there changes in the patterns of our sleep? And if yes, why is that? Well, there certainly is, and they're almost certainly brain changes that we have more trouble getting off to sleep. So they may have more difficulty actually getting into that first stage and may even come out of that first stage and then have a further period of wakefulness. But people also may even sleep less and need less sleep as they age. So instead of needing, say, seven to nine hours, as young people generally do, older people often get by well with six to seven hours and still feel fairly well. Older people will tend to have less deep sleep than younger people and often wake earlier in the morning and tend to doze rather than have sort of a very deep sleep in the in the late part of the morning. And the end result of this is that a lot of people will feel tired during mm. the day. Mm. They feel that their sleep hasn't been quite so restorative 
as it was when they were younger and are more inclined to have a nap during the day, which isn't a bad thing. I was going to say, are you an advocate of the afternoon siesta, John? Uh, as I get older, yes, I'm a strong <laughs> advocate of it. But do you think that then affects your sleep at night? The important thing is that it must be for no more than 30 minutes. Okay. Ah, that's good advice. If you mm. sleep for more than 30 minutes during the day, that will interfere with your night's sleep. Mm-hmm, which you, you do not for want. less than 30 minutes, that generally improves your night's sleep. So it should be just a fairly short nap. And John, can we talk about circadian rhythms? Um, As you age, do seniors have changes in their circadian rhythms? They do, and probably the one that they notice most is the change in their excretion of urine. So young people, will their, their kidneys function predominantly during the day and shut down in the evening and at night, so they don't generally have to get up at night. This circadian rhythm deteriorates as you get older, and that's why older people have to get up. Partly one of the reasons, it's also about the changes in their bladder and the prostate, Mm -hmm. but it's changes in their circadian rhythm. Now, there's also circadian rhythm that involves sleep, and so one of the things that older people notice is that they feel more tired earlier in the evening and will tend to want to go to bed earlier and wake up early in the morning. So their sleep sort of moves forward a little bit as they age. And, of course, if you have a neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's or dementia, this circadian rhythm changes even further. For all your aged care needs, choose Anglican Care, where every moment matters. John, there are a few different sleep issues seniors can suffer. Some have sleep latency, which is difficulty getting to sleep. Some don't get enough REM or deep sleep and wake up tired, whilst others have difficulty staying asleep. Are these sleep disturbances linked to lifestyle, disease or medications? Well, all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it, quite the long question, that one, wasn't it? <laughs> except, Sorry, I wrote that one. <laughs> except maybe medications aren't quite so important, but certainly lifestyle and disease are very important. So some of the lifestyle things that will interfere with sleep is drinking fluids later in the day, um, which then makes you want to get up at night to go to the toilet. Mm, no more white tea after four o'clock, Michelle. <laughs> so, John, are you saying don't, don't drink after six o'clock or, or is there... Oh, probably earlier than that. Right. Yes. So we, we say, say to people, they, you know, we, we encourage them to drink at least a litre and a half, a couple of litres during the day, but try and have that all done by mid-afternoon. Right. And certainly caffeine-containing drinks like tea, mm. coffee, cola, chocolate, certainly should not drink... Uh, within three to four hours of going to bed. So if you have two cups of coffee a day, which is probably the recommended number, have one in the morning and one with lunch, and then that's the end of your coffee during the day. Alcohol, of course, is another one because, again, that's a diuretic. So if you have alcohol in the evening with your evening meal, Mm -hmm. that's likely to interfere with your sleep. Bright light is a big factor with regard to sleep. So it's bright light that's keeping us awake at the moment. We're not all nodding off, or at least... I hope we're not nodding off. And as the evening comes on, that bright light diminishes, so Mm -hmm. that switches on your melatonin. So the worst thing you can do is go to bed with your iPhone or your iPad. Oh, we're all so guilty of that these days, uh, though. What are those things called that you read your phone on? What are those again? Kindles. A Kindle, No, they're they're not so bad because there's not bright light on your Kindle. Okay, so you can use your Kindle, John, but not your iPhone. You can. Okay. But it's... We say there's really only two things you should do in bed. 
One is sleep and the mm. other's intimacy. Yes. If you read, and some people like to read, mm-hmm. don't read a thriller or some book yeah. that's going to keep you <laughs> reading and on and on. Get that adrenaline pumping. Read read something that, you know, you just want to read a couple of pages and then... Something really boring. Some, something a little boring, yeah. yeah maybe one of the <laughs> it's got to, you've got to have a balance there. It can't be too boring. One of the Anglican Care Policy Guides or something, <laughs> something like that. Not like our brochures, which are very great to read, John. <laughs> and the last lifestyle factor is large meals. Don't have a large large meal at night, tend to have your main meal in the middle of the day and Mm. a much smaller meal at night. Otherwise, you encourage reflux and heart mm, And especially, I've been trying to do that lately. I found it find it really good. And especially if you're going to bed earlier, you don't want to have that big meal mm, and then go mm, to sleep on a you know mm, with a big meal mm, on your stomach. Yeah. Mm, definitely. Don't exercise too vigorously in the late afternoon because mm. that sort of excites your endorphins. Mm-hmm. And, um, just Bit of yoga is nice though. Yeah, moderate exercise is mm. really good for sleep. And the other thing is get used to the idea of going to sleep roughly at the same time and getting up roughly at the same time in the morning. Tell your friends about Let's Talk Seniors by Anglican Care. They want to be hip too. There's a lot of diseases that interfere with sleep. Okay. Um, things that make you get up to go to the toilet, like prostate problems, bladder irritation, urinary tract infections. Pain interferes a lot with sleep. Mm. Reflux and heartburn interfere a lot with sleep. Neurological problems like restless leg syndrome, things that are fairly easily curable. And then there are diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's that interfere with sleep. But not too many medications. There are some antidepressants that tend to keep you awake. We encourage people to avoid diuretics late in the day. So if you've got to take a couple of doses of your Lasix or Fruzamide, we take one in the morning, one at midday, not one twice a day. Mm-hmm. And tablets, cold tablets that contain pseudephedrine or pseudoephedrine are not good because they tend to be stimulating. But there's not too many medications that, that interfere with sleep. That all makes sense. Well, we can't talk about sleep and not discuss seniors using nightcaps, sleeping pills and the prescription melatonin. What do you think of these aids for sleep? Well, some people find a glass of warm milk or a little tiny sort of nipper brandy and milk will help them sleep. People find those sort of things. There are lots of natural therapies that are out there that probably are pretty safe. So many. And the teas like chamomile and valerian, some people use. Uh, melatonin is the sort of one that you tend to think is likely to be natural because you make your own melatonin, which puts you to sleep. But I must say that um, we don't find it terribly useful not as useful it would as it would seem to be and then there's the sort of night sedatives you can be prescribed now these are largely of three forms probably the benzodiazepines like valium tamazepam mogadon and so on mm-hmm. and they are differentiated into short acting like tamazepam mm. and long acting like valium and mogadon Now, we try and discourage the use of long-acting benzodiazepines because they're still acting in the morning and you can get up and feel drowsy. A bit dopey and, yeah, okay. The other thing is these are laid down in your fat tissue, which increases as you get older. And so the half-life of these drugs can get longer and longer. Now, the half-life of Valium is already close to 24 hours. So as you get older, it can build up in your blood. So we tend to discourage those, but I'm not against the use of the short-term ones on a, an occasional basis. Are they easy to become reliant on, though, John? Yes, yeah. And, yeah. The, and they probably are not effective used in long-term, 
but of course half the effect is probably placebo effect yeah. and people just think because they're taken they're mm. going to go to sleep the other form of sedative drugs so what's called the z drugs um soapy clones opidem and so on they all start with z and we don't tend to use them much in older people i think we're a little frightened but they're sometimes used in younger people now one drug that's commonly used to help people sleep is one of the antidepressant drugs called mirtazapine and that tends to have an effect of being a reasonable night sedative and that's probably a fairly safe drug to use but none of these drugs are really safe and if you can do it in a natural way that's certainly a lot better but severe insomnia and not sleeping is so bad it's debilitating isn't yeah. it yeah. yeah that i think sometimes the adverse effects of these drugs are outweighed by the benefit in giving people yeah and it, sleep, even if it's a placebo effect. yeah because it really impacts the rest of your life and and it's hard to then be exercising and living healthily when you're exhausted you all the time function. yeah absolutely it's but it also so affects important. your physical health mm-hmm. and so it's one of the essential features of healthy aging mm. to to get into a healthy sleep pattern of at least sort of seven to mm. eight hours you've spent a lifetime creating a home it's where you belong as you age anglican cares home life can help you remain happy and independent in your very own home Find out how at anglicancare.com.au. So, John, what are your top five tips to help seniors overcome their sleep disturbances? Well, I'm not sure I can limit it to five. But, uh, <laughs> we love the five tips. <laughs> five tips. One would be trying to go to bed at roughly the same time and get up at roughly the same mm-hmm. time rather than sort of all over the place. tonight I'll watch a late night movie or mm-hmm. something like that. And now, of course, with ABC iView and SBS On Demand, there's no need for this sort of stuff. Mm. You can watch it. Yeah. Don't drink a lot of fluids late in the day and certainly don't drink caffeine-containing drinks within three to four hours of going to bed. So it's decaf tea only, people? Yep. Or herbals? Yeah. Use the bed for those only two purposes. Don't then, you know, watch television. Don't get rid of the TV in your bedroom Mm -hmm. and don't use your iPad or your iPhone um, in the bedroom Try and look at the medical issues that are interfering with sleep. So if it's pain, use a pain relieving agent and avoid you know, any drugs that are likely to keep you awake at night. And look at any other medical issues, particularly things like restless leg syndrome that we can do so much about that are so easy. So just finally, John, when should someone go and see their GP about their sleep? Like, and maybe have things like the what you said, restless legs syndrome or sleep apnea or insomnia. Yeah, yeah. So sleep apnea is very common, we know, and uh, that can be easily diagnosed by sleep studies and treated. Unfortunately, the treatment is not quite so user-friendly of these CPAP machines. And uh, I find that most older people who've been prescribed a CPAP machine are probably not using it. Yeah. No, they frequently. look a bit overwhelming and not user-friendly. No, and the spouses don't yes. like it too much. Yes, I was going to bring up snoring husbands, actually, John. Yeah. can be a bit of a deterrent to a good night's sleep. Yes, <laughs> um, and that can be something as simple as too much alcohol 
being mm. overweight, not mm-hmm. as much exercise, but mm. it's certainly worth going and having a look and see. There are devices now where, where you can open the airways. Yeah, maybe it's they're not very attractive either. Well, mm. they're not. They don't look very pleasant to use either. I don't know. I've never, <laughs> never had to use one. No, I haven't I had any, exp- any experience with them. I've just seen them and think, oh, they look yeah. so awkward. And, of course, sleep apnea can cause snoring, so it's worth mm. trying to deal with that. But there are other issues that interfere with sleep, particularly the movement of your legs, and these are two types, what we call periodic leg movement syndrome, mm-hmm. where you just move your legs, your legs just move suddenly and jump up in the air, or restless leg syndrome where you have this intense urge to move your legs and as soon as you move them around it sort of settles down and that comes on with warmth so usually when you go to bed at night that comes with warmth there are treatments for both of those so that's Mm -hmm. certainly worth talking to your doctor about and some of them are due to deficiencies in certain things so vitamins and things like that john maybe okay and, um, and kidney problems then There is a funny condition called REM sleep behavior disorder. Uh, Within REM sleep, of course, you know, we all have these vivid dreams of we're doing various things, but we don't act out these dreams because there's something that paralyzes us Mm. during that REM sleep. Now, if you have a a brain disorder, that mechanism paralyzing yourself in REM sleep can disappear. And Parkinson's and Lewy body are very common diseases in which this occur and people then act out their dreams and start lashing out and hitting their wife and so on oh dear (laughs) could stop the snoring though yeah and we know that if you have this problem you're likely to go on to have one of these diseases Mm. in the long run so there's two important things about it one is that it's important to predict what's going to happen and the second one is it's fairly easy to treat and then it uh allows the couples to remain in the same bedroom rather than the wife to go off to not get hit. and Kicked. Mm. <laughs> the other two conditions in which mm. I think you need to see your GP is if you're having trouble getting off to sleep because you've got constant thoughts in your mind and you're anxious about something, and that may well be related to the COVID times, but mm. in general. So there are fairly good drugs to deal with anxiety that can help you sleep, and that mirtazapine, that antidepressant, is also a good drug. Okay. To deal with anxiety can have that double effect of putting you off to sleep and dealing with anxiety. And the second one is when you wake it early in the morning, like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., and you can't get back to sleep. Mm, I do this all the time, John. That can be a sign of depression. Oh, so I thought it was a sign of too much work. Maybe. <laughs> too highly. Uh, but it can be, in older people, a sign of depression. Okay. And important to go and see your GP about that. Because mm, they're both very unpleasant, like mm. both not being able to get to yeah. sleep and that waking up in the early hours of the morning. Well, thank you, John. That was all great advice. I'm going to take lots of that on board, I think. As you know, as a special guest, we give you a a Lucky Deer prize and it's in line with our uh, healthy ageing ethos. So I'll let Michelle give you that. Oh, okay. Here we go, John. It's rattling. It might be a hint. I think it's some craft beer. It's craft beer, yes. (laughs) Which John assures us is good for you in moderation. It's called Angry Man. I'm a bit worried about the (laughs) implication of that. (laughs) That's in no way indicative of what we think of you, John. (laughs) My wife wife may well agree. (laughs) Well, thank thank you. you. Thanks, John. 
Our next podcast is on a somewhat confronting topic, but an important one, dying at home peacefully with nurse practitioner Jackie Culver. Please join us as Jackie talks about this topic in an incredibly sensitive and relatable way. Do you have any topics you want Kylie and Michelle to discuss? Get in touch by emailing letstalkseniors at anglicancare.com.au.